Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 232, BGG Hotness. we like to thank our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. Anthony, you're back. I'm back. Yeah, just one week. But I'm back. So how was your uh, affair with baseball? You know, you left a lot of us board gamers behind. So, yeah, I mean, baseball came first. Man. Baseball came first. So <laughs> but did it? So did it yeah. really? I was I was four years old. So, yeah, it definitely came first. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I thought you were talking about as, as far as historically, which came first. Oh, uh, no, definitely not. In terms of my life and my interests, which is all I'm ever talking about. Why would I talk about history? <laughs> no no i mean I've, I've been a baseball fan since honestly as soon as i could remember like went to a baseball game when i was four years old with my best friend up in seattle and been a mariners fan ever since i think griffey hit the league the next year and that was it so it was it was pretty awesome it's the second time i've been to cooperstown now uh this time my kids were old enough to appreciate it we got to spend more time in the actual hall of fame and looking around and taking pictures and doing all that cool stuff so it was it was really cool. Got home, of course, and immediately was within withdrawal and then spent the last five days just staring at Gen Con coverage. So you haven't lost me yet. I'm still here. <laughs> All right, because I just want to let you know, we had Jen last week and she did an outstanding job. Hey, now, don't you know, I'm still here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> no reason. to. Get, she can come on with us. I'm happy with that. She did an awesome job. It's true. But, you know, I'm not going anywhere. All right. So, Anthony, we have a lot going on with BGA, but Cooperstown is not the only place that you are going to visit. Where are you going to be this week? 
Yeah, like I said, Gen Con, the stars aligned, my wife approved, the schedule and the budget somehow just magic happened somewhere in the universe. I must have done something good. So uh, the plan was always for me not to get make it to any cons this year. That was always what I was thinking. But really, really at the last minute, like maybe three or four weeks ago, Gen Con became a possibility, a likelihood, and, and now I'm going. So I'm going to be at Gen Con uh, Thursday through Sunday, all four days. I will be there. I'll be tooling around. And uh, yeah, if you're there, if you're listening, if you're there, hit me up. If you're on the Patreon, and definitely hit me up in Slack because I, I posted a message there. <laughs> and we can try to get together, schedule something. There's no like official events or anything, but I will be around and don't have like a crazy schedule. So definitely want to hang out with people if I can. All right. So that's going to be a great opportunity for people to meet with you. But obviously, there's other ways for our listeners to interact with BGA and especially win some board games, Anthony. So tell us about that. Yeah, we give away a game every week. This week, we kind of piggybacked off of last week's contest. And it's 100% not because I was out of town and a little bit lazy. (laughs) That's definitely not what happened. But honestly, we got a lot of really good pictures. We asked for all those pictures two weeks ago. You guys sent in a bunch of really good ones. And I put six of them up as the contest for last week and asked you guys for captions. So I think we got something like 20 or 30 different captions from everybody who submitted them, which is fantastic. And I personally got to pick my favorite. Obviously, this is an audio podcast, so me reading a caption to you would mean nothing. But all I can say is that the winner, Anthony, who submitted three, the winning one that I liked the most was 100% a dad joke that made my son laugh out loud. So you win. And it's, it, was, it was a Mario-related joke from picture number six. It was Mario Kart, I believe, on the Downforce board. So congratulations, Anthony. Either you have children or you just have listened to this podcast enough to know that that would have been funny to me. So you'll be getting a game. I'll hit you up via email here shortly with the list from Game Surplus. All right. Well, that is fantastic. But Anthony, have you been getting any uh, big games to table lately? Yeah, like I said, when I got back from Scooperstown, I was, you know, straight back to board games. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, like recently I've had multiple people come up to me and say, hey, I want to play War of the Ring or, hey, do you know War of the Ring? And one guy's like been at the house and he's like, oh, you have War of the Ring. I want to learn that. So I've had a chance to play it several times in the last few weeks, which is incredible because in the last three years I've played it zero times and uh, have been wanting to. As a three to four hour two player game, it's difficult to do that. So in the last two weeks alone, I've played the game twice, which already eclipses my plays in the last you know half decade. So it's it's been really cool. And if you're in Pittsburgh or at Gen Con and have a copy with you and want to play, I'm 100% caught up on the rules now. And honestly, it's one of those games that I'll just keep playing over and over again because there's so many different ways to kind of approach it. It's been really fun. I I feel like there's a bunch of these big, huge honking games on my shelf that just don't make it to the table that if I get one to the table, it's like my accomplishment for the week, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's pretty big on your end. Did you happen to notice that there was a huge Fortnite competition and there was a Pennsylvania teenager who won $3 million playing an esports game? Yeah, yeah, I've been trying to hide it from my kids. Uh, <laughs> my, my son doesn't need to know you can make millions of dollars playing this game. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, just let's just hope someday, someday we'll we'll have high prices like that for board gaming. But 
you know, every every once in a while, my family will say, oh, you go to those board game conventions. Don't you come back and you win some big money? And I'm like, it's not really like that. We don't really play those kind of uh, massive ew, RPGs. Ew. Yeah, no, unless it's magic, that's not happening. So not in our no, world. Not too much. <laughs> but eventually when Board Gamers Anonymous gets big enough with our Patreon count, then we will definitely be sponsoring some of those big competitions. So if you would like us to sponsor a $3 million prize for playing board games, check us out at patreon.com slash BGA. You get free episodes. You get free access to Slack. There's just a whole bunch of extra bonus stuff on there for you. And you help us produce the podcast and ideally even a better version of it that gives you three million dollars i'm not sure what patreon level will you have to hit for that but it's possible because who knew that video games would let you get that much money anyway yeah those numbers are crazy and he's 16 years old what do you do with three million dollars at 16 (sighs) come on board games catch up (laughs) all right so that's everything that's going on with bga anthony let's talk about our question of the week all right question of the week what's a game for which the reviews are surprising to you either too positive or too negative so uh just throwing them all out there so a few that people wanted to point out uh, rico mentioned super motherload he says it's not that the reviews are bad or anything there just aren't very many of them uh, it's one of his favorite deck builder games, basically playing Dig Dug on boards. And he actually got a couple of people who chimed in. Patrick said, yes, I love that game. So this is one that pops up occasionally when I ask questions like this. I need to track it down and play it because I've heard multiple people reference mm-hmm. it. And I always like the references they make. I played it and it is a very weird game. I could see both sides. I could see why you like it or you don't like it but it's a very unique game nonetheless. Okay. Yeah. I still want to play it. Yeah. Cause it sounds like something like just kind of outside the usual, you know, mash of components. Sure. Carl mentions, I've never understood the code names reviews far too positive. I don't know about that. I mean, like code names, I burnt out on it. I don't play it at all anymore. I kind of avoid it if I can, but when it first came out, I kind of liked it. Right. I mean, code names was always okay, but it, it did get a lot of attention right away. And I honestly was like, Oh, it's fine but if you're not giving the clues it's kind of boring yeah i feel like it's one of those games that has been iterated on and a lot of the iterations are better so there's no real reason to play the original Mm -hmm. anymore except that it's the original which happens a lot garame agrees well i mean you like caverna too he says caverna is a good game that's just it though agricola is god's game wow (laughs) i don't agree with that at all i do good on you man good on you uh darren voices what i hear a lot of people say gloomhaven i don't dislike the game but i don't think this is revolutionary compared to other dungeon crawlers i don't know if it's revolutionary but i think it definitely does something different enough that to warrant all the the coverage it has i would agree with that but i also do feel a little just generally let down that i did think it was going to be the ultimate game changer it's just very good not bad yeah patrick says rising sun too positive Great mechanics in theory, but it just drags on and on and on. And I find it super boring and not worth the love. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? As someone who played this game a few I, times. I enjoyed it a lot. I like the fact that, you know, once you've claimed a region, there's no reason to hang around there anymore. So you should might as well move on. I feel like it moves at a pretty good pace, but it is an overly produced, massively, I wouldn't say complicated, but just complex so I could see someone feeling that way when they just look at the board and there's like 300 figures on there and what you're supposed to do. But it's one of those games that's supposed to be kind of epic. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my first play, I was not quite as I liked it a lot, but it was like, 
uh, I don't know if that's exactly what I thought it would be, especially after Blood Rage. Eric mentions one that I 1000% agree with and is well documented on this podcast, Splendor. I understand it's a simple mechanic, but it gets boring very fast. Not very much depth to the game. And Patrick agrees, and I agree. And I think you I agree. agree. <laughs> Splendor. And then the one I was going to mention, uh, Scott mentions First Martians. He thinks people are too negative. Yes, it has some issues, but it's not as bad a game as some people make it out to be. He also says Wingspan, the reviews are too positive, and that the, it's a good game, but it's just that, just a good game, not amazing. I think I agree on both counts. Um, I don't think I would go as far as to, to bring Wingspan down to any level. It's great. It's good. It's accessible. I think it does a good things for the hobby. Good on you if you love it. First Martians, though, I'm 100% on board with. I really like this game. I still have it. I wish it hadn't bombed so hard because I would like another campaign as an expansion, and I know that's never mm-hmm. going to happen. But if you get past the rule book, and it's been rewritten at this point, so you can find a good version, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, I haven't played First Martians yet, but I did pick it up. I think it was at one point it went down to $10, which was really sad because anything that's about Mars is seems pretty cool and they put a lot of effort into it. So I was kind of bummed out just generally by that. And Wingspan, I think, is a very good game that because of its thematic adherence to real life birds, I think for certain people, it's above and beyond anything that's ever been because... A lot of games, let's be honest, like there might be touches of something being thematically true about the game that it really follows through as if that was a thing. But this, the birds do what the birds do in real life and how they chain together is pretty phenomenal. So for that, I think that elevates the game above. It's just kind of like it's a good game. But that makes it a great game because of the uh, thematic adherence to uh, the reality there, especially for bird lovers. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I, I'm not upset at all that it won the Kenner Spiel. I think it's deserving, especially with the, the games that were mm-hmm. nominated for that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's good. Yeah, for me, there's a, a lot of games that I could talk about as far as things that I don't really understand why people love. I, I guess generally a, a lot of the kind of hero click games are always something that you know, I'm a big fan of the IPs, but I see the games. I'm like, well, this is just too cheap and too chintzy. And yet at the same time, way too complicated for what it needs to be. So I, I guess Hero Clicks has been something that was disappointing because it was one of those things where I could totally see myself jumping in full force into. But when I got those in my hand and I was even given piles of them and they were like here and I was like, huh, uh, yeah, I don't want to play this. <laughs> and I think somewhere, somewhere in my closet, there's a small bag of Heroclix pieces that I've never been played with. And I think that's probably been the most surprising thing because almost anything else I'll give a shot, but the Heroclix thing just never really worked for me. Yeah, I agree. I, <laughs> I think I gave mine to my kid at some point and never bothered yeah, again. Kind of, It's very strange that it keeps getting produced with everything possible, but... Uh, I don't know. Somebody loves it and and, uh, more power to them. All right. So that's everything for our question of the week. If you would like to jump in and let us know what games you love and what games you don't love so much, follow us on Twitter. Facebook has all the questions of the week posted there. Drop your information there. BoardGamersAnonymous.com has a ton of articles. Last week, we talked about Jen's articles about bras and board games. That's going to be an ongoing series with new articles So check back there, and there's a lot of reviews from Anthony and Jason up there, so 
you should really read a lot of the good stuff that's happening there. It's more than just a podcast. And of course, Board Game Geek, we have our guild there. Join up and let everyone know how much you love BGA. All right, Anthony, so that's everything for us. Let's get on to the episode. What's your acquisition disorder? My acquisition disorder is Gen Con. <laughs> So, well, somebody gets to go. I'm not going to say. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like we sometimes we do a Gen Con preview episode. Sometimes we don't. It really doesn't have anything to do with who's going or when. This year we weren't planning on it, and now like I'm just going, so definitely not planning on it. But I was going to kind of run through. There are a few games that I'm looking forward to now that I've done some research and looked into what's coming out. It's not like the most exciting list of games in the world. It doesn't look like Fantasy Flight has a big release unless they surprise us all Wednesday night. Which they always do. Maybe, but like they posted a list of what's for sale on their website and it's just expansions for things. So I don't know. Like they're like, we have a Clone Wars Legion pack. I don't care. So <laughs> I don't I don't know if they're going to like they'd have to come up with something pretty surprising because all they've released in the last year is expansions for stuff that's already out and mm-hmm. then Outer Rim, which was fine. So we'll see. But the stuff I'm excited for is going to be similar to what you've heard on a lot of the other preview episodes, which is why this is not a preview episode. So I'm just going to run through them really quick. Keep this short. No reason for like a 20 minute thing. Black Angel is at the very, very top of my list. It was on my list and it's just slowly climbed up. Twa is one of my favorite games. This one looks significantly more refined. It's got Eno tool artwork. They've been working on this thing for years and years and years. It has that cool like board movement mechanic that's in Selenia that I really like but in a much heavier game. There's only 240 copies there <laughs> for everybody. And it seems like every single person going to Gen Con wants this game. So I don't expect to get it, but it's supposed to hit regular retail like two or three weeks later. So I'll have it eventually. Other games that I'm super excited about, Edge of Darkness from AEG is finally releasing. It's shipping to backers, but they're actually going to have it there as well. So I'm hoping to get a chance to play that. Mega City Oceania is a game from Hub Games that, Kind of flew under the radar, but it's based on a Jordan Draper game in his Tokyo series, but much, much better mechanics, much, much, not mechanics, I should say, components in like a bigger, more thematic package. So I'm excited for that one. King's Dilemma is being sold by Luma Games. That one is the new game from Horrible Games, from the designers of things like Dragon Castle and Potion Explosion, all that stuff. So it's heavily, heavily like negotiation and hidden role type of stuff. Not usually my thing, but just what I've read of it looks really, really interesting. We have Watergate from Capstone, which is a shortish two-player back-and-forth game about like the Nixon administration against the press. Very cool thematic idea. Kind of sounds like Twilight Struggle, but with a very specific situation. I'm putting it on here because what the heck? Uh, Machi Koro Legacy. Now, I don't think it's going to be good, but I want to see what happens with it. So I'm going to track it down. I'm going to try to get a demo of it if it's available. I just want to see how this even works. And the last one, which kind of jumped onto my list at the last minute, uh, and I was honestly going to skip it because the roll and write version of Imperial Settler was, was no good, but the Imperial Settlers Empire to the North actually looks pretty good based on some videos I've seen, based on some previews and some and the rules that just came out. I, I might check this one out because it does look like a solid kind of spin on the mechanics there. There's some other stuff, Point Salad, a GNC, Sabotage. There's a King Domino Duel, which is like a roll and write two player thing, but nothing like 
overwhelming that I have to have. Those four or five games, though, I'm, I'm definitely going to give a shot to track down. Well, from the Jet Can't side of the uh, acquisition disorder, I'm looking forward to playing games that people have at game night. Don't know what those will be, but I'm really looking <laughs> forward to that. Yeah, I, I, I guess for me, there's been a lot of great games that are coming out of Gen Con, and you mentioned a lot of those, and I'm sure a lot more will come up on the BGG Hotness. For me, one of the games that I was looking at initially and then pulled back and then looked back at again was Era Medieval Age. Now, this is a game from Matt Leacock. You probably know him from Pandemic, but more specifically because of this game, he did Roll Through the Ages. Now, Roll Through the Ages if you ever had a chance to play it, it, was this very odd game. It was kind of made for pubs. It had these wooden boards and it had these pegs. And basically what you did was you rolled these wooden dice in a little pad of paper. And it was one of, I guess, the early rolling rights, so to speak. And you checked off, you know, building certain things or special abilities and stuff. And you did a press your luck thing with rolling the dice. And it was a fine game and I enjoyed it. And I actually have a copy of it. And for era medieval age, you're doing something very similar to that, almost identical to that. But what's different here is instead of that pad of paper, what you're going to have is your own player board with like peg holes. And then you're going to strategically add buildings to the board and walls that are going to give you special abilities and give you the opportunity to defend or attack or be able to up your abilities throughout the game. This is one of the games where it's like, I already have rolled through the ages. I really don't need this, but it looks so much better. And I think that's becoming a trend these days. Take a good game, make it look better and sell it for a higher price and people will come. And I really can't argue with that because this looks like a lot of fun and it's probably something I'll pick up soon. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I didn't actually catch the roll through the ages connection just because I saw what looked like a roll and write. And of course it is. Uh, and I saw Matt Leacock and I was like, oh, I'm interested. And then you mentioned that. And then I saw the price point of $70 and I'm like, I don't know. Sure. <laughs> and I've already pre-ordered the game, so I'm going to get it. But now I'm I'm less excited than I was before, which is silly because I like Roll Through the Ages and I'm sure it's still good. But just stop remaking the same stuff. I think we're seeing that more and more. Remember uh, Suburbia got its, you know, big tower remake on the Kickstarter? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm a and that's the thing, though, like they keep sending me these emails being like, if you're at Gen Con, come check it out. We're going to have previews of it. And I'm like, I guess <laughs> I know this game. Ah, You already backed it. What are you, who are you talking to? You're you're one of them. Yeah, I know. They have my money. What am I? What am I doing? That's true. Well, I mean, it looks like a great addition. And obviously, the board game industry is doing very well. And we predicted this, I think, several years ago that it's going to be hard not to find a game that's at least 60, $70. Like that's going to be the new standard as far as board game is concerned. So keep an eye out because things are getting very expensive. But once again, I guess if movies can do reboots, so can uh, board games. All right, everybody, let's get on to the games that hit the table this week. Let's talk about are at the table. And we'll let you know if those games are a buy and you should run out and pick that game up. If those games are playing, you should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge and you should avoid them at all costs, or if those games are the dreaded burn and you should burn that game up because the quality components will eventually come in a later edition. So, Anthony, what do you have for us this week? All right. Yeah, this is a game I'm backed on Kickstarter and I got a chance to play it uh, actually a couple of weeks ago, but just getting back from all these trips and everything, getting a chance to get to the table again and, and now review it. And that is Villagers. This is a 
game from Hakon Garter and Sinister Fish Games. Um, it is actually in distribution. They got it out relatively quickly, considering it was a first-time Kickstarter. And it is a tableau builder, card management type of game. So you get this big, long box of cards. You are building your own village of these various villagers. Thematically, what happened is there was recently a plague. Everybody died. And now you have all these craftsmen who don't have things like raw materials and traders and all these various things. So you're trying to recruit refugees from the road as they walk through to join your village and to build the best village possible compared to all of your neighbors. The game, the way it ends up working is you have a road of six cards and then there are six stacks of cards and the number of cards in them is based on the number of players. It's two cards for every player, basically in each stack. And every round is broken up into two phases. The first is the draft phase. Everybody gets to pick a certain number of cards from the road. And the second part is the build phase. You get to build a certain number of those cards from your hand. The number of cards you get to draft is based on how much food you have. You get to do two no matter what. And then for every food symbol you have in your village, you get an extra one. And you need at least one food symbol after the first round or people start starving and you lose some points. You know, But it only happens once. So it's not like it's not a Gricola bad. The road refills after every time someone drafts. So it just goes around and around. Everybody drafts their cards. Once everybody's drafted, you pick those cards back up into your hand and then you get to build them. And you get to build, again, two cards unless you have multiple building symbols and you can do additional cards up to five. And you're trying to build this tableau and it kind of, you know, things chain off of each other. The interesting thing about mechanics here is everything kind of chains down in a production chain. So you have... You start with a founder and you can pick up other like basic ones, like a hayer and a blacksmith and a logger. And then other things kind of chain off of them. And But some of them will chain multiple times. So you might have somebody who's like, I'm a miner and I can become somebody who picks out the metals and now I'm a jeweler. And every time you chain down, the car becomes a little bit more valuable. So you're not going to score the old ones you have, but you're going to stack them on top of each other. And if you can get all the way up to like a jeweler or a fromager, like a cheesemaker, those are worth like 15 to 20 points, you know, each scoring level. So really, really big potential here for scoring. But of course, you need to get all the cards in that chain from the draft. <laughs> Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do it. So there's a little bit of push your luck in there as well. There are some take that cards in there. There are some elements that allow you to like mess with your neighbor a little bit, but not a ton. The expansions that came with the Kickstarter have a lot more of that if you really like that part of the game. But the base game, it's pretty minimal. You can honestly take those cards out if you don't want it at all. Uh, the game plays in less than an hour because you're just running around and drafting cards pretty quickly. Uh, plays up to five players as well. And honestly, I really like this game quite a bit. I mean... The mechanics are all familiar. There's nothing new here. There's nothing like game-breakingly different than other card drafting and tableau builders, but it's quick. Uh, the artwork is stark and accessible, even if some of the illustrations are a little bit derpy, but overall they generally work. And I think that graphic design decisions are really smart. The additional mechanics thrown in, in here with the special cards and some of the expansions are really clever and add some cool new ideas to the game. The Countess mechanic for the solo game is really good and actually decently difficult to play against. So I really like that quite a bit. And yeah, this is a really fun game. It's kind of made its way into my game bag as a, you know, mid-weight hour-long filler. And I'll probably leave it there for a while. I really like this one quite a bit. So I'm going to give Villagers a buy. It's inexpensive. You can find it for less than 20 bucks online. 
Uh, I've seen it in multiple local game stores recently for like 25 or 30. So if you're looking for like a quick, relatively accessible game that's, you know, you can throw on the table for an hour or so, this is really solid and well worth checking out. That's a Yeah, that sounds great. I love a good Tableau or engine builder. So especially if it has that low level price, you can just keep a copy wherever you go. So really nice. Yeah, I mean, like playing it, I kept thinking like, oh, this is a yeah. game Chris would like. I should, I should let him know. <laughs> All right, so for me, I got a classic game to table. But once again, since we are talking about revisions on top of revisions of board games, I got Agricola, the revised edition to the table. Now, I've been a big fan of Agricola since I first played it, although I definitely was one of those people that was like, huh, farming yeah no i don't know I, I don't want to play that at all it looks very very boring and very very dry and i have my space ships and dragons and stuff like that so why would i want to play agricola and i actually found i really liked agricola the idea that it was once again like wingspan it was so thematic it was so true to what you would actually have to do as a farmer that i was really kind of mesmerized by the game and the fact that you could really lose the game by just making one or two poor choices was a brutal situation. I think I've talked about this before. One of my best moments in gaming was I got to the end of the round and I was able to feed my people. And I was so thrilled about that. And I never expected that for Agricola. So the revised edition has some of the other things that the previous editions has. And in particular, this game from Uwe Rosenberg, if you haven't played it before, it's all about farming, and it's kind of the quintessential worker placement game. You start with two family members. There's a huge board of different actions you can take. At the start of the game, you get a whole bunch of cards. There are occupations and minor improvements. You will draft those. I highly recommend drafting, even though it does take a long time. Some people just give out those sets of cards, but it's just not as fun. And you will pick those cards, and those cards will come into play, and Agricola is all about the cards. You'll build up your farm, you'll breed your animals, you'll grow your vegetables, and if you're like me, everyone lives happily ever after, and I eat a lot of bread throughout the whole game. So, the revised edition gives a slightly different board. There's a little puzzle piece at the beginning so that when you swap out based upon the numbers of players, it really kind of like clicks in very nicely. It's just not on a square board. The board itself does have some revisions. So it's a little easier to play and it offers more opportunity to play occupations and minor improvements. There's a lot of more iconography on the board, so a lot less text. Your miles may vary based upon that. Uh, if you're colorblind, that might be somewhat of an issue. Otherwise, it's fine the way it is. And basically, the base game now, as, as far as we're talking about the revised edition, it plays four players instead of five. The cards, which I mentioned earlier, are now revised and some of the expansion cards and some of the text has been changed. So you're kind of getting like a quintessential edition of Agricola here. They removed the family variant, which was basically you didn't play with the cards, which made really no kind of sense here. There's a five to six player expansion, which I also picked up. And that just adds some different cards and some different boards and two more family sets, of course. Agricola is a very fine game. Now, if you've played it before and you've suffered horribly at its hands, I commend you <laughs> because it's one of those kind of like rites of passage. This revised edition 
is a lot less punishing because the cards are a lot more balanced. And yet at the same time, if you're playing against a pro, you're going to have a problem because they probably going to know the cards better, but it's not as painful as it once was, which really was necessary for a revised edition. So for Agricola revised edition, I'm going to still give it a buy. Dodge. <laughs> but you haven't played the revised edition yet. I yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it someday. <laughs> I don't foresee good things. Well, like I said, the cards have been revised, and I think that's what you're really going to enjoy, that there really isn't as much power to the swing like there once was. Now, I also got a chance to play a big game, since Anthony was talking about big games, which was pretty unexpected. Actually, two big games, but I'll save the one a little bit later. I got to play Lahav, which Ooh, I've never played. That's a good one. And I know. And people were like, you want to play Lahav? And I was like, I don't know. And there was four players, and I'm like, oh, no. I hear that four players or up is not a good thing. We probably shouldn't play it. But the people at the table convinced me to play it. And it looks terrible. I mean, it's <laughs> boring and bland as can be. And I was like, well, what did I get myself into? I didn't really want to play this very simplistic board where basically you have ships that kind of like, I guess, quote unquote, sail. But basically they hit a spot where it produces resources to a particular area. And then on your turn you are going to pick up the resources on the area or use your one worker disc to utilize one of the buildings. So that's it. It's really two major actions and a couple of minor free actions. And I was like, oh, this is going to be really bad. And I heard like, I'm going to get crushed in this game. And I got to say, it's actually a lot of fun. And I was really surprised how much fun it was, how tight it was. And I understand why people don't like playing with a bigger player count, because if you're playing at four, the board doesn't change. So there are rounds. Actually, in fact, every other round, you're only going to take one action and you have to feed your workers. So if you're not built to feed your people, so to speak, you're going to lose a lot of points. So every other round I was like, well, this is not fun. I have to hope that people give me food. Otherwise I'm going to be in a bad spot, but I really did enjoy the game. Uh, it's very simplistic. The artwork is kind of very, it's just there. I mean, this really needs a revised edition. I know there's a two player version of this. That's supposedly very good, but I had generally enjoyed it. Now, just like Agricola, it does have a little challenge with its cards if you've never played it before, because I'm like, hey, why are people taking cows? Clearly, those are not really valuable. Well, at the end, they're very valuable. So you don't know that unless you look at the end cards, which has a lot of different bonuses based upon resources that are not helpful early in the game. So Laha for me gets a surprising buy. I enjoyed it, but... Honestly, I can't recommend buying it until there's probably a revised edition just because I got to believe there's going to be a new edition coming out that's a little bit better. Maybe try the two-player version, but it's a really, really solid game, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I really like this game a lot. It's hard to get to the table for all the reasons you just listed, but yeah, it's one of those, like, of his games, it's like the one I probably like the most that I play the least. Sure. Wow. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it's it's it can be very brutal. I find it even a little more brutal than Agricola because at least Agricola you could build up your farm. Here you're at the mercy of the market. 
if there's not food available, there's nothing you could do to produce food. It's out of your control. So you're kind of stuck as far as that's concerned. So I would say wait or hope until they have a revised edition. But if you do get a chance to play Lahav, I highly recommend doing so. All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's hitting our table. Let's get on to our feature review. So our feature review this week is Board Game Geek's Hotness List. We love talking about the hot board games that are out there and why they're there. So, of course, we turn to Anthony and his computer-like brain to figure out why those games has reached BGG so that you can tell other people why they're there and look incredibly smart. Yes, or correct me. Either way. (laughs) Uh, all right, so let's kick it off. Number 15, Arkham Horror, the card game. Uh, new pack just came out. So every month or so, this one jumps up at the top of the list. I have not played that new pack. Can't tell you what it's like, but they're all pretty much good. So check it out if you like Arkham or if you like card games. Number 14, Six Nymphed. Why is a card game from 1994 in the top of BGG? Because Shut Up and Sit Down decided to review this really old game. I don't know what they're doing over there. I honestly don't. I guess one of them got to play it for the first time and felt like reviewing it, but that's why it's up here. Everybody's looking at it. Uh, number 13, Etherfields. This is the current game from Awaken Realms. It's up on Kickstarter. These are the guys who designed games like Lords of Hellas. Big, big, big money in these. So this is their newest one. It actually looks pretty cool, at least in terms of the miniatures. Because it's got kind of that Kingdom Death Monster look without all the gross and overly sexualized stuff in it. So, interesting. I don't know much more than that because I have not played uh, this game or really most of these games. But I am definitely interested in giving it a shot if it ever, you know, hits a table near me. Next up, Terraforming Mars. This is always in this list. I don't know why I always have to tell you guys why it's here. It just is. It just is. Uh, I think there's an expansion coming out soon, but it's like Essen-ish. So nothing new right now. Uh, next up is Root. Same thing. This game is just always in the top list. No particular reason right now. The expansion's not coming anytime soon. Uh, should be out by the end of the year, I think. But otherwise, it's just Root. It's one of the top games of last year and this year. Next up, Edge of Darkness. This is the magnum opus from John D. Clare and AEG Games. This is now delivering to backers, so that's why it's up here right now. It's also going to be available at Gen Con for sale for a tremendous amount of money if you miss out on the Kickstarter and are interested in this one. I am definitely going to track it down and get a play of it, hopefully at Gen Con, if, if, not a, you know, if not that, at least a demo. So definitely looking forward to this one, but other than the Mystic Veil connection, I don't know a ton about it just yet. Uh, next up, Seventh Continent. This one has been shipping out to backers over the last few weeks and months. Uh, I got my like second wave of stuff about a month ago um, with all the card replacements as well as the expansion pack that came with it. So haven't got a chance to play with all that cool stuff yet, but a lot of people have been playing this game because there is now hundreds of hours of content in the box. <laughs> so but thousands of cards to play through. So uh, a lot of people are just kind of running through all that content right now, hoping to get a chance after Gen Con. Since it didn't happen before Gen Con, I don't know how long that's going to be. Next up is Gloomhaven. And while there's no new content for Gloomhaven, the expansion for this came back out back in like May. The app just hit Steam and actually jumped to number one on Steam. 
um, in early access. So people are just eating this thing up, the video game version of it. I haven't had a chance to play it just yet. I don't think it's on Mac. If it is, I haven't downloaded it yet, obviously, but I don't have a PC. So I'm um, hoping to get a chance to play this, give it a go, see how it works in that environment. I know it's not a straight um, implementation of the mechanics from the game, but it, it does look like a decently polished version. I know they work with Asmodee on it, so I want to see how it turns out. Uh, next up, Time of Legends Destinies. This is an interesting project for a couple of reasons. One, it is a cooperation between Lucky Duck Games, um, and they've created this new Destinies system that kind of combines story-driven adventure-type games and an app. Um, and these are the guys who did Chronicles of Crime. So they have the scan-and-play technology where you can scan different things on the boards, different cards, different QR codes, whatever they are, and it just makes the game move forward. But it's also part of Mythic Games, who created Time of Legends, Joan of Arc. Uh, and that's the Kickstarter game uh, with the, all the big, beautiful dragons and Joan of Arc miniatures that was on Kickstarter like a year, year and a half ago. And I don't know what this is other than that. Like the player counts only one to three. It's his best one to two. The game's like about two, two and a half hours long. It looks like it's trying to be an RPG in a box without the GM, without the RPG element, and like using the app for that. But this is me speculating a little bit because very few people had a chance to play it yet. And it's hitting Kickstarter, I think, later in August. So very, very interesting. I have a feeling Jason's going to talk about this a bunch on every night's game night. So stay tuned for him. Uh, he'll probably get a chance to try this out and talk about it. But I'm definitely keeping my eye on it. Uh, next up is Wingspan, um, just like Terraforming Mars and Gloomhaven and Root. This one's just kind of in the top all the time now. It's risen all the way to number 41 overall. It's the number one family game. It just won the Kenner Spiel. It will be at Gen Con um, at the Meeple Source uh, booth. So it is a chance for people to buy it. I don't know. All those reasons combined, it's why it's on the list. Very solid game. We talked about it earlier in the episode. Uh, next up is The King's Dilemma. This is one I mentioned in my top five list from Gen Con. Uh, it's new from Horrible Games. It's not being sold by Simon. So if you are looking for it, it's by Luma Games. And it is a hidden trader voting negotiation type of game. But it is narrative driven. So they're billing it as having like branching storylines. There's hundreds of different cards. The event cards and the deck kind of evolve over time. There's this story that kind of arches over the game. So it does encourage multiple playthroughs. But it also has mechanics that kind of sound similar to something like a Battlestar Galactica, maybe a little bit. Um, I don't know what to expect of this, except that both of the designers, Hjalmar Hjok and Lorenzo Silva, have done a lot of really cool stuff and horrible games. Most of the things they've released that have made it here to the States have been really good. So I'm excited by it. I hopefully get a chance to check it out and let you guys know. Black Angel, like I said, this is number one on my list of acquisition disorders for Gen Con. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. It's on everybody's list at the moment, but it's very, very pretty looking. As mechanics I love, hopefully I can get a copy. Uh, next up is Horrified. This is from Robinsberger. It's from Prospero Hall, uh, and that's the gnome de plume of the Forest Prison creative group. Now, I don't know if this is the last game that's going to come from them to Robinsberger, but if you didn't catch it, Funko, the people who make the little pop figures, actually bought uh, Forest Prison 
fairly recently and they're releasing games with them. So there's like a Funko pop game coming out um, or at least being demoed at Gen Con. This is one of the remaining ones on the, like the Robinsberger contract um, that's coming out. And it's basically the universal movie monsters. Um, they just recently released a game with jaws. So now they have the, the Frankenstein, the bride of Frankenstein, the Wolfman, Dracula, the mummy, all those guys. It's a cooperative game going up against those looks very interesting. A lot of people are pretty excited about this. So um, definitely one worth checking out. Trudvang Legends is number two on the list. This is the current Simon game on Kickstarter. They're in a little bit of a drought lately with their Kickstarters, but this one looks very interesting. It does have a little bit of Eric Ling uh, touch to it, but it's not like it's not the next Blood Rage. It looks to be something a little bit more narrative driven. This is based on an existing IP. It's a Swedish RPG called Trudvang Chronicles, and it is cooperative. So it's not. You know, it's not that area control, like go at each other thing, um, but it does use a lot of like the Scandinavian mythology and the trolls and everything. Lots of big miniatures, of course, because it's Simon. Looks interesting. I I don't know. At this point, I'm kind of on the wait and see side of the fence with Simon's games, but it's a little bit different for them. So I'm definitely interested to see what they do with it. Uh, last one, number one, this is Abomination, the Heir of Frankenstein, uh, designed by Dan Blanchett. This is the new Plaid Hat game coming out, I believe, at Gen Con. I believe they had it for sale. And it is based on, you guessed it, uh, Frankenstein. So uh, the story by Mary Shelley from the 19th century. And in it, you're going to be... It's hard to describe, really, just based on what I've read. So let's just say it's based on Frankenstein. It has a lot of mechanics kind of woven into that. Um, there's definitely a strong storytelling element to the game. But at the end of it, you are either trying to bring your creation to life or deal with the captain trying to hunt down and kill the creatures. So it's kind of a push and pull between you and the game, but the way the narrative elements kind of mingle into that, it will, remains to be seen, you know, until we get some reviews out and get a chance to play it. I am interested. It does look to have kind of the same lower production values of recent Plat Hat games. I, I don't know what this is going to turn out to look like, but it is number one on the hotness for a reason because it is unique for one. I love the theme personally. You know, this is a novel I've read several times and um, I'm looking forward to giving it a shot and seeing what it look, turns out to be. So there you go. That's the 15 games on the hotness right now. Not a perfect representation of the Gen Con hotness list, but these are the ones people are looking at right now. All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.